everyone. This is Ecology and Existentialism. My name is Mason, and the goal for this podcast is to share a paragraph or quote from thinkers who have written on ecology, and then give a few of my thoughts possibly leaning towards existentialism at times. I admire both ideologies, and I hope to spread their brilliance. Uh, before I get into this episode, I just want to apologize for the last episode. Um, listening back to it, I realized I had a whole lot of ums, so I'm going to try and limit that. Uh, by just having a pause rather than filling it with pointless stuttering. This episode, I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, The paragraph comes from Norman Wurzba's book, Food and Faith, uh, the same chapter as last time. Like I mentioned uh, before, this book has drastically altered my outlook on numerous topics and related, uh, related to our relationships with food, land, and envir- and the environment in general. Um, I I don't think I don't think there's been any other book that has really changed my outlook entirely. Um, I've read some other ones on different topics that have really altered my way of thinking, but this one in regards to ecology has had the greatest effect. Okay, so let's get right into the chapter. When people withhold themselves or are prevented from entering deeply into a place, they become disoriented. Disorientation does not simply happen at the location level when, for instance, a person does not know which room to be in. Disorientation also goes deeper into a fundamental distortion of who we should be and what we should do. Think for a moment about indigenous cultures that speak of the moral and spiritual dislocation that is the direct result of no longer knowing the place in which life happens. Intelligence is not an individual capacity confined to a solitary brain. The intelligence people need to move responsibly through this world is formed through mental and bodily interaction with particular places. This is why intelligence must extend to and be drawn from the place we live in and the communities we live with. To fail to know places in detail and the wisdom that has collectively been learned there is to lose the possibility of detailed understanding. Failing to understand human action will grow to be out of step with and perhaps even destructively contrary to the process of life that feed personal life. From an indigenous point of view, the fact that people harm the place in which they live is the clearest indication that they have not drawn their intelligence and understanding from them. In harming their places, they also harm themselves. This is why the removal of indigenous people from their ancestral lands has been such a deep tragedy. It isn't simply that people have lost some land, they have lost their place, and thus also their source of sustenance, intelligence, and orientation of life. Alright, so that was again from Norman Rizzo's book uh, in the chapter, The Roots of Eating. Our life together in gardens. Um, I I think what I'm gonna do is read uh, twice from one book in a week because um, I'm hoping to release two episodes a week, and uh, and then record and then do two two paragraphs from another book. 
that way I'm able to change it up a bit. But also, uh, if you have any suggestions of people who have talked about ecology and sort of the, the deeper significance of it rather than just the, the science behind it, uh, I'd love to hear who they are because I'm always looking for more people to broaden the perspective. Right now, my my main sources have been Norman Wersba and Wendell Berry. I think their quality of writing and thought is just uh, far above most others that I've listened to or um, the other people that I've listened to have sourced from both of them. So the first things that, that stood to me in this chapter is how land uh, immensely affects our our connection to wisdom and our understanding of how to exist. The, the disconnect from the wisdom of the land allows us to make irresponsible decisions and disregard uh, the ramifications of how we interact with the land. So the first thing that came to mind is how, in, uh, in Canada anyways, there's a lot of decisions for, for pipelines. And where I live, there's lots of people who are definitely pro-pipeline because it means more jobs, more oil, easier access to it. And I agree that like there are benefits to putting in pipelines and it has a lot less risk than a lot of people would like you to think um, on the side of environmentalism. So in that sense, I'm, I guess, pro-pipeline. Um, because I think there is a need for it. Although the direction of that pipeline for economic reasons of it potentially going through indigenous lands, I don't think is especially wise. Uh, The people that are usually making the decisions are disconnected from the land that is there. And even even I know some... uh, First Nations that are are pro-pipeline because it means that they're going to be receiving a lot of money from this and economic benefit, although I think they might be missing or be disconnected from the significance that their land has. And although there may not be any long-lasting oil spill um, failure or, or stuff like that, just the process and aesthetic of a pipeline going through their their traditional land, uh, I don't think they're, I think that the potential of economic growth and prosperity may be clouding the traditional view of the land being significant and just the, the premise of it being untouched and, and rugged and, and having something more to offer than just being taken or used for the growth of the economy. Um, so, so yeah, it, it is really interesting that these pipelines are chosen to where to go and the direction for them by government that is definitely disconnected from the significance of the land and the wisdom that may exist there. And even the local people, I think, might be a little disconnected from the from being aware of 
what their ancestral lands have to offer. So on the other side of that, um, wind turbines, I also see it as a as a potential problem just because they they completely ruin the aesthetic of a location um kill thousands of birds and seem to have uh the the solution or have come at the solution <coughs> sorry they seem to be a solution that's coming from the same perspective or same uh ambition that our, our greed for fossil fuels arose from they're, they they completely ruin the way a, a prairie field might look and the way that um, birds migrate through those locations. And a lot of the times they're needing to be serviced with, uh, with vehicles or helicopters or various things that need to be fueled by uh, fossil fuels. So it, it's not really, I think... Um, whether you're pro fossil fuels or pro uh, renewable energy, I think there are both downfalls on either side of how we use and treat land. Uh, something that stood out to me in the paragraph was the sentence that says, Intelligence is not an individual capacity confined to a solitary brain. The intelligence people need to move responsibly through this world is formed through mental and bodily bodily interactions with particular places. So even if we are living in a place, it's so easy for us to become, with our modern conveniences, become disconnected to from what the land and environment around us is trying to tell us about uh, what it what it may not be prospering. What actions we're taking that prevent it from prospering and growing and really developing to its fullest potential. The first thing that comes to mind there is is crop rotation, right? Crop rotation helps a lot with putting new nutrients into the soils, but monocrops completely destroy that. Uh, agriculture is an interesting way that we are interacting with the natural land around us because we are, in a sense, taking it and making it unnatural but then we're also providing plants for us to then eat and fuel ourselves. Uh, if we still relied on a hunter-gatherer society, I don't think that with our current population we'd be able to sustain ourselves. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but having a, a group of tribes, people, or I mean just a group of people running out and hunting uh, bison on the prairies to feed a whole town of 5,000, 10,000, a million people, I don't think is viable in now, in today's population growth. That being said, um, I, it would allow us to be much more aware of how our interaction with the world around us directly influences our reverence for it and... <laughs> And our respect to it. So, I don't have a whole lot more to say on this topic. Um, those were the, those were the big things. The how the oil pipelines and wind turbines are often 
dictated by people who are not connected to that local land that they're being placed uh, and therefore drastically influencing the way the way that people in that area have to live life um, day to day and they they aren't connected to the wisdom of the land that is there whereas the people and the local economy are or should be um, if they're not too disconnected through modern conveniences um, or there should be a subsection of people that are aware of what's going to have a lasting negative impact or a, a net positive impact not just economically but also environmentally so as always thanks for listening and i hope you can relate to some of the stories and antidotes i shared um if you enjoyed this episode uh i would it would help if you left a positive review um wherever you listen it's still an the show is still in early development so i appreciate the patience as i sort of get the idea or um, fully, fully process through what it's going to look like as a um, speaker and storyteller on my part. Um, I'm half decent with writing, and uh, but the speaking uh, to myself is uh, a skill that I'm still working on. So with that, have a great week, and um, talk to you in the next episode. Peace.